Nikki. Hey, Selena. And hello, everyone. Welcome to Sweet Tea and TV. Hey, y'all. Welcome. Mm -hmm. Welcome, welcome. Oh, that's so nice. Come on in. Sit down and spill. Oh. Just keep going. Just have some sweet tea or something. (laughs) Uh, So today, I thought we would just start with something super random and super cute. Unfortunately. random and cute. Well, Uh this is super random. I want to introduce you to... Did you get a dog? The world's... Did you get a cat? Yep, and it's on my laptop. Did you get a hamster? (laughs) I want to introduce you to the world's smallest reptile first reported last year in 2021. Now, I'm going to show Nikki. It's a show and tell. We'll see how I can drop it in on social media. Oh, goodness gracious. I'm so old. I need to pull it closer. Well, yeah. So this reptile... That's crazy. Is that full grown? I think so. Oh. It is on the tip of a person's finger. And it is the cutest little thing. I think it's a chameleon. Let me I was going to say, it looks like a chameleon. Let me navigate back to my notes. <laughs> so it is a tiny chameleon discovered in northern Madagascar and measuring just 28.9 millimeters or, again, basically less than the size of your fingertip. Oh, my goodness. And it's so funny because, like... kind of terrifying. Even though it's so tiny, like, it's still, like, fully formed. It looks like a chameleon. It's just got shrunk down. Just, yeah. Honey, I shrunk the chameleon. You might be onto something. I don't know. (laughs) I don't know. So the article I found also notes, and I'm just the messenger, that the genitalia of the males measures almost 20% of its body. So according to them, not everything is small. I didn't say it. They said it. I'm just reporting the news. I can't with you. I'm just reporting the news. (laughs) I can't. I can't. I've also got one random trivia question to get you warmed up. (laughs) <laughs> that wasn't warm up enough. Do you know what the dot over the lowercase i or j is known as? Oh. You might actually know. I, d- I, I will know when you say it. I won't be able to tell you. I don't know, but I'm, I'm going to incorporate this. I may have heard it in the past. Is it a penis? It's, <laughs> it's you. So I feel like that's why it's coming up. No, it's a tittle. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Not so far removed. I mean, definitely far removed, but so it's, it is thought that the phrase to a T is actually derived from the phrase to a tittle, a phrase that was used in the same sense dating back to the early 17th century. And excuse me, Nikki Mays, I was not even trying to be dirty with that. I think the word tittle is kind of cute. You know, in Spanish, the mark is a tilde. I wonder if it's like related. Tamesies? Maybe. But I really would like to start um, including the phrase to a tittle. Please do. You know? Just not at work. So let's get into this episode, to a tittle. To, to a tittle. This episode is called The Last Humorously Dressed Bellboy in America. I have to say it so slowly. Humorously is hard for me to say. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, Suzanne discovers Reggie Mac Dawson, the accountant who absconded with her life savings, is back in Atlanta working as a bellboy and a pianist. He explains the convoluted story of how and why he left the country and what happened to Suzanne's money. He used it to buy a circus. There's the episode. Uh, Air date May 15th, 1989. We're calling this one Return of the Mac, written by LBT and directed by David Trainer. I feel, Selena, just by some things you've said in passing, <laughs> maybe you have some strong opinions about this episode. Well, okay. I think this will probably tell you 
that my first general reaction is that this entire episode is a stray observation. <laughs> yes. So, yeah. I so don't know. my first general reaction is that this entire episode. Wait, are you about to tell me if you liked it or not? Yes. Okay, don't. Okay. All right, because I'm curious if we've reached expert level knowing of when one of us will love or pass oh, on an episode. Uh-huh. So I'd like to take a guess. I'm going to write it on a slip of paper, oh. whether you loved it or hated it. Okay. Okay. And then I'm going to pass it to you and then with my guess. Nikki, did you love this one or did you pass on it? And I'm going to go ahead and write it so you know that I'm not trying to steal your answer. It's on this side. It's on the other side. Okay. So do, you, do I read this? You, I, I missed your game. I'm guessing uh-huh. whether or not and you And do I read this it. out loud? You can. Oh, yeah. she says, yes, heart. Or if you read the other side, it's it's notes about shacking up. <laughs> Previous segment. Are you asking me to shack up with you, Selena? <laughs> yes or no? <laughs> is, Check one. That is what the full context of that Well, they, can I guess mine for you? Sure. Well, I got to have a piece of paper. We gotta carry on. Gonna have to have the same piece of paper. We've got to carry on the facade. So I'm guessing that Nikki loves it, and Nikki's and Nikki's gonna about to guess whether or not I loved it or whether I pass on it. Oops, I think I spelled that wrong. It's okay. I just wiped my eyebrow off. (laughs) Hatred and disdain. Yes. (laughs) Okay. All right. So you go first. Was I right or wrong? I thought this episode was (laughs) delightful. It was so silly and ridiculous. I loved Reggie McDawson. I loved how random it was. The other women found him, his whole setup. It was delightful to me. <laughs> was I right about you? Yep. Hatred and disdain? <laughs> yep. Oh. I think it's a series low for me. Oh, no. A series low. Oh, man. I thought it was delightful. So, I think, but I think this sort of is going to play into the point you're making right now. But, you know, you've actually talked about this before, that it's nice to have some level of... um, Absurdity. Yeah. It's literally what's written down. So, almost like a sense of escapism, right? Yes. Uh, But to me, this one just... It just felt absurd, and I was really ready for it to be over. I'm sorry. I felt bad, but I just feel like I have to be honest, you know? Yeah. No, don't feel bad. I gotta say my truth. You're allowed to not like things. So, yeah, I think it was largely because of the character of Reggie McDawson. I just um, I loved him. I didn't enjoy him. I didn't enjoy him. What, so you loved him, and I, that was Can actually I ask be my you a question about him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is he a legitimate accountant or just a liar? What wasn't clear to me from the storyline is whether he was truly living off of her money. Because he was in all these exotic places, uh-huh. but he was simultaneously working these very blue-collar jobs to try to, I guess, make ends meet. So is he a real accountant? Or is he just... I think you and I have different reads on the character. Okay. I think he is um, a, a con artist. So I think he takes these little jobs because he can't even go get like a formal job anymore because he's a con artist and he, they're, the police are looking for him. I see. Yeah. Okay. So I don't think like, uh, so yeah, I do. I mean, I do think that he is like, does he, whatever license or whatever you have to be an accountant. Yeah. I think he probably had it at some point in time, but I think his, 
He like I mean he sort of explains it there. It's like is he a reliable narrator? I think is at play, mm-hmm. and so it sounds like at some point like the flip just switched. Nope, switch flip. <laughs> then the switch flipped and then like he just like he couldn't get enough of like he liked having the extra money and doing the extra things and getting a taste of the finer life or whatever his whole backstory was about how he oh he got involved in gambling or something right i think so So, yeah maybe he started out as legitimate yeah and and then then, but like everything he said just sounded like he was just a big liar so um i would if you wanted love suzanne yeah, to the extent that uh, so someone like him probably can love somebody. There was definitely something there. But, so, have you ever met someone? <laughs> I can't decide if this sounds like me or not. But, um, but maybe I don't, maybe I can't stand myself. I don't know. But have you ever met someone and they talk and talk and talk at you? And at the end, you have no idea what they said. But, like, you know, you don't want to do that again. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's how mm-hmm. I felt about Reggie McDawson. Like I, there were just times where literally like I can see like maybe that's how it was being written for it to almost be incoherent. Mm -hmm. But like, since I'm watching a plot line, I kind of, I kind of need it to be coherent. Mm. So yeah, I don't know. I think that was the whole point. I think that's the character he was supposed to be. And I think that drove Julia crazy. I think it drove Suzanne crazy that he took advantage of her. Yeah. I just thought he was really funny. Yeah. That's good. I'm glad. I'm glad he didn't take my money and run. Should we also just go ahead and say who he is? Yes. Uh, so he's played by Harry Thomason's little brother, Danny Thomason. Did you also read that he was once in a long-term relationship with Leslie Jordan? No. Uh, I know Leslie Jordan hmm. best as Beverly Leslie on Will and Grace. Yeah. Uh, but apparently he was also on LBT's Hearts of Fire. Right. Mm-hmm. With Danny Thomason. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, so I read they were in a relationship for many, many years. Oh, that's funny. As an aside, Leslie also has the most delightful Instagram feed. Oh, does he? Yes. I, um, He's I a think, treasure. you know, I think when they, I didn't, I never got the chance to watch it. I can't remember if in my head I was like, I'd like to save this towards the end. But, you know, during the pandemic when they were like, when everyone really was like, staying at home and they like all these old shows came together and came mm, out of the woodworks mm-hmm. into these reunions they did do a designing women one mm-hmm. i think leslie jordan was involved oh i don't remember i don't remember um i'm pretty sure he was um because they had to replace some of the cast members since we've lost some cast members well, leslie jordan's delightful apparently yes. according to danny's instagram i think he's a or uh twitter maybe he lives in little rock now and he's an eye doctor oh really yeah. Just going back to regular life. Um, also, he is a very, he is the person that introduced LBT and Harry to the Clintons. Yep. Um, so it sounds like they're very good friends. And in fact, Danny is also on the infamous list of people who stayed at the White House. Ah. Along huh. with the, um, the Thomasons. The Harry Lodorus Thomasons. Mm-hmm. Sorry. I can't get the last name straight. The Thomasons. What's right. happening? <laughs> Uh, um, okay. So, well, we know each other really well. Thing one. <laughs> and thing two is we have made it very abundantly clear how we felt about the episode. Do we feel good about moving to strays? Yes. All right. Put it out there. We have an address for sugar bakers. 1521 oh. Sycamore. The, I think the police officer said that at some point. Okay. So put that in the old noggin. 
I think it's also important to take stock of Reggie Mac's resume. Okay. It's just interesting. Here are a couple of the quote-unquote opportunities he called out throughout the episode. He recently completed a world tour where Iranian customs officials took his costumes, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. bought a circus. He had a Peruvian coin deal. Uh, and it looks like now we may get in on the ground floor of a new industry that makes gourmet ice cubes from glaciers. So that last thing sounds like it would have been like a joke then, but like, like could be real now. Absolutely. I, I bought some of those at a fresh market yesterday. Were they delicious? Delicious. Tasted like a glacier. Just like a glacier. Fresh off mother nature's forehead. Just right off the calving. Is that what it's called? When it like sheds? Oh, may- maybe. Calving. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, my first stray is that I've never been to the circus. I've been to Circus Circus in Vegas. I've just never had any desire. Plus, the whole animal thing is tough for me. But I do think the trapeze is cool, and I'd actually like to do that. So that's real You can do that. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'd have to, like, you know, take steps to do it. I have been to the circus. I don't know that it was out of a place of desire so much as my parents took me. Right, right, right. Well, no, my neither one of my parents desired to take me either. <laughs> I don't think I would go now. No. I mean, it's not a thing now, but I don't think I would go. It's still a thing. Not like it was, though. Right. It's uh, a coming back thing. Oh, yeah. Maybe. <laughs> we'll see. Uh, and then my other stray observation is just like, can't we all identify with Suzanne on some level at the beginning? Like, maybe not her story about dating an 85-year-old and arguing with his nurse over the dinner entree, but feeling like you're in a rut. No matter where you go, there you are. It's just like a go-to saying for me. And then later, she mentions her day starting with a ticket. So, of course, she'd own a circus by the end. I mean, that whole escalated quickly concept just really resonates. We've all had a day like that. Yep, we sure have. Anything else? All right, well, I'll see you around. Well, we got to do what we liked and what we didn't like. Oh, my bad. I'm sorry. I thought we were just done. So, tell me what you liked. <clears throat> character of Reggie Mac Dawson was delightful. Uh-huh. Uh, you can see how Suzanne let herself get taken in by him. Um, he's not, he would not have appeared as like some stodgy old accountant. Like he's got some color, he's got some pizzazz, he's got some flair, and he adores her. You could totally see how that attracted her. Well, he also doesn't come off like a con artist. Like, he doesn't visually look like a like whatever our perception of a con artist is. I think, yeah. like, I think he's um, unassuming, maybe. Yeah. Like, he seem, he kind of seems, like, trustworthy-ish yeah. until he opens his mouth. But I also love the idea of Suzanne owning a circus. That's on brand, in my opinion, for her. It's, uh, well, I think that's a lot of what got brought up is it's not that different. Then there is a pageantry, pageantry to it. That's the word that was going through my head. Um and so I think that that is definitely in line with her character. I like that Suzanne called it limestone cowboy instead oh. of rhinestone cowboy. Uh, she just, you know, that's also on brand for her. It's just getting these things like just slightly off. But when you think a- when you think of rhinestone cowboy, what do you think of? Uh, a couple of things, but isn't one of them a John Lovitz movie? I was going to say, if you don't say High School High, yeah. I'm getting up and walking away. You know, I forgot about High School High until I was looking into John Lovitz for some random reason. <laughs> As you know, one does. You know. <laughs> I can't, I really can't even remember. Maybe it's because I went down the League of Their Own, like, rabbit hole or something. But anyways, and I was like, I forgot that that movie existed. But that was such, like, a big deal, I feel like, when it came out. Just probably for people in middle school. 
honestly. Yeah. <laughs> I used to love it. There was a very brief period in time in which I love that movie. Like a run, 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 stolen cowboy. <laughs> yeah, and we didn't even really understand. Oh, I had no idea. Yeah. It was just very funny. It's just good timing. It was it's important. In all of this insanity, I actually think Suzanne had some pretty sage advice at one point. She says, um, I just figure, you know, we're only here on Earth for a short while, and if someone says they're going to pick you up at seven in a horse-drawn carriage and drive you through the streets of Atlanta to your very own uh, circus, well, maybe you should just give it a whirl. Amen. I love that. Amen. Take life by the horns. Got to try new things. It's important. Yeah. And then the last thing I liked was the trapeze flyers interaction with Julia over the pasty glue. <laughs> she just thought she had some like on hand, which I actually don't, I don't know that that's the weirdest thing to ask a woman because Certainly we often have these things. Days. We often have things for our, our bosoms. Yeah. You know, just random yeah. things. I have weird tape stuff in like in my drawer from like certain dresses happens. that you wear. Yeah. You got to have a little coverage. I don't think it's yeah, that. They ask, they ask you to do a lot of weird things there. Okay. So we're just. They being the, the man. patriarchy. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Um, so, so I know you loved um, the return of the Mac, but like, is there anything else specific that you wanted to call out that you really liked or loved? No. And I only have, but I only have one thing I didn't like. Okay. Uh, of course, I don't love for Suzanne to be taken advantage of. Well, no. But I really like laughing at it. Oh, you do? Okay. I, I, did. I really enjoyed that. Yeah. I mean, she's been on the skids for a while, and this episode didn't take anything else away from her, so I felt okay about it. Yeah, I, so I, I, I that was actually my last, it, it's related, it's my last don't like, but I'm going to start with that, because we go through this whole string of events only for Suzanne to not get her money back, and I was just like, couldn't we have just like, couldn't she have gotten something at the end? Nope. It just felt like she... <laughs> Yeah. Well, she did win some money in last season when they went yeah, gambling. So maybe that's, that's true. That's the only time she can win. I'm not yeah. sure. So that the uh, two other things that really stuck out for me. One is the circus conversations. Every time that gets started, it makes me nervous because I know we're headed to the quote unquote freak show path. Mm, like yeah. I just know we're headed there, uh, which I find to be like one of the most dis- tasteful human fascinations so i wasn't thrilled with mary joe's childhood story about the 800 pound man i didn't know what to do with it i didn't know why we were hearing it i didn't know why it was happening to me like just so many things and like i i I honestly didn't understand like what are we talking about here except for the fact that this poor man is incredibly obese like what are we doing like on a like a human level yeah that sucks um on a plot writing in a script writing level it makes a lot of sense i think that that's what you identify with circuses and fairs is the three-headed woman or the bearded lady or whatever i go to a fair for the fried foods and occasionally to get on a ride that makes me wonder whether or not i'll live to see the next day to be clear yeah i don't go to the fair to see that i've never oh, seen one of those I things know. i know i want to be like those things Like, it just makes me uncomfortable for a lot of reasons. All the reasons I'm sure are going through your head. I think, though, my point is the broader universe can identify with that, like... She's trying to, like, a point, like a touch Like, yeah. And people are like, I remember when I was a kid, my mom showed me the three-fingered 
man. Which I do think probably is fair to the time period. Yeah. I think now we are Mary Jo's age. So I can't really it's identify not a, with that. I know that it's a thing. Yeah. I know it's something but even over there. The Gwinnett County Fair has something. So I don't remember oh, what really? it is, but like Jeez. the six foot man or something. Or not six foot. That was bad. Like <laughs> okay. 10 foot man or something. <laughs> There's something that was, and I haven't been at the fair in a few years, but yeah. there was something and it's this concept. In my mind, what I identify it with is a person that's being exploited for a physical feature and they're hidden away in a room as if it's some sort of spectacle you need to go see and it just yeah. freaks me out. I'm yeah. never going to go see that. Yeah. Um, so I, I know it. I get the reference. And from a story writer perspective, I know why she put it there. From a human perspective, it's it sucks. Yeah. It's, and we should just move away from it's that. It's dusty, right? It is. So it didn't feel good. Yeah. Um, this episode also really gave me whiplash. It felt a little all over the place to me. I've, I've talked a lot yes, about... Yes, it did. Yeah. And I loved it. <laughs> uh, I've talked a lot about pacing this season. Like, yeah. a lot. Because it's just something that really stands out to me. And for me, this is... The pacing in this one wasn't right for me. You know, we spent all this time at the beginning of the episode dining out on the eccentricity that is... Um, whatever his name is. Reggie Mac Dawson. Uh, the man got two full songs in at the hotel <laughs> and then we rushed through to the ending so like th- that again is that kind of thing like I-, I just feel like the latter part was the more interesting part seeing Suzanne and the big plume and the feather mm-hmm. on her head and like and that kind of thing like it was much more interesting out of all of the things than seeing them run into him at the hotel for 25 minutes like that's where I felt like we were a lot and I was like what are we doing it would have been great to see Suzanne somehow still doing the thing the police told her she can't do like it's very suzanne hanging out of the window with an ak-47 or whatever that she would still take the carriage and make it like an event and i wish she could have at least gotten that sense of justice yeah i I mean and it was another it's another time too where we talked about would talk about the show don't tell and sometimes the tell don't show is great right it's it's been used really well in this series yeah and but then there are other times where i'm like Dang, but I want to see Anthony and Bernice at the dance contest. I want to see Suzanne in the streets of Atlanta. I see how that would have been complicated, especially since they're in L.A. I'm just saying, like, those are the things where I'm like, oh, that just feels like a loss. Yeah, it really does. That's true. You want to rate this sucker? I do. My rating scale is Wretched Mackman. Giving it a five out of five. This episode is just darn delight. It's ridiculous (laughs) in all the best ways. I love the camp and the charisma of Reggie Mack. I loved learning more about this person who was able to take advantage of Suzanne and see why he was able to take advantage of her. And I think it's really because he adored her. It was that she likes to be adored and that is her undoing. Mm. And hopefully she will grow from this. And then the circus was just absurd and ridiculous and wonderful. Well, that was very poetic. (laughs) Um, Episode sucked. I gave it a... Two out of five, oh, eight horse-drawn carriages. Come on. <laughs> come on. You got to keep it spicy, Nikki. You are bringing the spice. Uh, it's just not my favorite. I will say I'm very grateful that this isn't the last episode. Uh, that w- I would have been so upset if this was the episode that we went out on. Uh, I get that. I, I'll give you that. Yeah. yeah. This, this would be a better, like, early season episode, maybe, or, like, mid-season episode. Yeah, Just I mean, silliness. It, yeah, it felt like filler. Yeah, uh, which is it's fine. We're gonna get a lot of fillers again. It's twenty. It's twenty two. I think one of the seasons is like twenty four episodes. Yikes. 
So, yay! <laughs> um, so, who won the episode for you? Who buttered our biscuits? Mary Jo. Oh, okay. The way she took charge of the circus people's sleeping arrangements. Okay. Clipboards and all. Yeah. I adore a well-organized queen, and she <laughs> brought that to me. Adore it. Adore it. Um, technically, I think it has to be Reggie Mac Dawson because he oh, keeps he gets away. Yeah, he keeps he getting away with absconds. all the crimes. He yeah. absconds again, but I refuse to say that that little weasel buttered my biscuits. <laughs> So, I'm giving it to Suzanne. He burned your biscuit. He burned them. <laughs> um, that girl needs a win. Plus, I thought that she exhibited very admirable qualities in this one. I think she is a cynic, but she wants to try to be a believer, and she was trying to get out of her comfort zone, and I can appreciate that. I also found her to be very charming. Again, much like I was saying in the last episode, she's really winning me over in the back half of season three. All right. Who lost the episode? Who served us lumpy gravy? The police at the end. I needed to see that circus entrance through, and I'm really sad we never got it. And then, of course, Reggie McDawson. But the policeman. Technically, it should be Suzanne. She really went through the ringer in this one. And in the end, she still didn't get her money back. But I'm giving it to Reggie Mac Dawson because I definitely consider him a pot of lumpy gravy. And I think that he was supposed to be some version of charming. I never said he was charming. I'll stop there. I never said he was charming. I said he had charisma. Charisma. The other CH. The other CH. Okay. Camp and charisma. How about 80s things? I mean, maybe the circus. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's it. I had bad checks. Oh yeah, 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 and then a lot of checks lately. Lots of checks. Sound of the times. Mm-hmm. So almost we should have a category for that. I'm kidding. Southern things. Uh, we had an Athens, Georgia reference, which mm-hmm. is where the circus was coming from, and Reggie Mac just had a bunch of like, "What in the Sam Hill? My word!" Things like that. Yeah, they were all very southern. You? Franklin, Tennessee, where Mary Jo is from. And then she also references the big star Superette. Superette? <laughs> Superette. Uh, but that, it, like putting two and two together, it sounds like this could have been a real store in Tennessee. There's more, but it's... I got cool. tired looking that one up. Same. Yeah. I, there, there was like this whole thing about how there's another one, but this is a franchise. Blah, 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 blah. There, apparently there was like the other one, not... This one was in Georgia at some point, but I don't remember it. I don't know. So there you go. That's why you get tired. I guess I got tired. Yep. References we need to talk about? I mean, I don't know that we need to talk about it, but Mamie Eisenhower was mentioned. And I was like, who's Mamie Eisenhower? Uh, She was the first lady. (laughs) I assumed she was related to Dwight Eisenhower. I didn't process. I, I mean, I was getting to the point that maybe she was his wife. I've literally never heard that woman's name before. Uh, but she was the first lady from 1953 to 1961. And what does that tell you? Patriarchy. Patriarchy, but right? It also, I have to read you this exact sentence. I think it's very important that you hear that. Can I also say, though, patriarchy, but also because of the patriarchy, that was the role the first lady played for a really long time. It wasn't probably until the late 80s that we had a very vivacious first lady, other than Jackie Kennedy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I would also, Roosevelt. Um, oh yeah yeah that's true because uh, we talked about her yeah she's 
And like she's a cool lady. Um, but like uh but I do it definitely. It's they get kind of throw some parties mm-hmm. and it really took put a up lot. a Christmas tree. Yeah, which I like I would like to put up a Christmas tree. Sounds nice. Yeah. So my sentence though, along with Mamie Eisenhower says, First lady and wife of President Eisenhower, like I figured, but wasn't a hundred percent sure she wasn't another relative. Yeah. So right. I thought maybe it was a daughter situation because we covered be. a daughter at some point. Yeah. Uh Reagan's. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well also Mamie, her real name is Mary. And I, oh, I, I would I think I would have gone with Mary. I'm just gonna throw that out here, you know? Also the Philip Morris boy. Yep. Got that one too. Did you know what that was without looking into it? Or I I'm sorry, not I, what who I know what Philip Morris is. Yeah. So I, I had like pictured something. Yeah. But I didn't, I didn't actually know. Yeah. I didn't know that we were talking. I didn't know that this like guy kind of gets discovered and then, uh, winds up working his way into these ad campaigns and he made good money. I looked it up. I think his annual salary for these ads would be about a million dollars a year today. So he was a bellboy at the New Yorker hotel who like Selena said in 1933, uh, was discovered fully grown he was less than four feet tall and had a very distinctive voice this ad executive discovered him he ended up becoming a spokesperson most notably for philip morris cigarettes a role for which he served for over 40 years it's crazy it's also like what a time because he looks like a kid so the whole thing is like a kid selling cigarettes. cigarettes like it's just like what a time what a time you know delta dawn was that on your list? Uh, yes. Okay. What One of the two. Uh, just that. That that's the song he was singing, which is funny because he was singing it for Suzanne, who's Dawn. I mean, Delta. Eric. Well, that's what... Okay, so this is... At, at first, that's what I thought. And maybe it still is. But, like, I, I thought, like, it was something meta because, like, Delta, Delta Dawn, Delta Burke. But then I was like, maybe it's a, a little bit of a Suzanne slam because I looked into the history of the song and it was, so it's written and first recorded by Alex Harvey, and he wrote it for his mom who died in a car crash when he was a teenager. There's like a really sad story there. Uh, the story also suggests, among other things, that she was a complicated lady and they had a complicated relationship, okay? But here's the thing it tells the story of a faded Southern belle mm. whose reputation was tainted following a romantic encounter with a man of ill repute. And so Reggie McToss. I, I don't know. I just I, like, is there like a double meaning there? I wasn't sure. So I don't know. did you pick up on the second song that Reggie Mac was singing? Something about sharks and pretty teeth. It was Mac the knife. I love that song. <laughs> it was Mac the knife. Yeah. I love that, it. Which you talked about in season one, episode 12. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I'm sorry. I was very happy to hear it. And it's such a weird song. So weird. It's weird. Cut lines. Uh, There was a cut after Reggie Max stopped singing where we learn Reggie Max alter ego. So the uh, server comes up and asks the ladies, this is in the hotel when he's singing, may I take your order? Four club sodas, please. Oh, I'd like a little umbrella in mine. Can you tell me how long that gentleman playing the piano has been working here? I don't know. He was here when I started. And when was that? This morning. But I'm quitting as soon as my husband picks me up at five. I mean, I want to work, but not bad enough to listen to this. What's his name? Bobby Bojangles. 
So um, I think maybe later they mentioned that he's Mr. Bojangles or something, and that's where that comes from. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, there was another big cut line after the ladies get Reggie Mac back to Sugar Bakers, where we learn more about Reggie Mac's history, and that's where Anthony's introduced to him. He says, you see, if my parents had been normal, none of this would have happened. I mean, to give you some idea, my father drove a hearse, and we weren't even in the funeral business. And my mother had been on two Darvex tranquilizers every day since 1959. That was the year the school nurse called her and told her I might be having gender identification problems. Uh, Charlene says, you ought to be ashamed of yourself. You know what she's been doing because of you, clipping coupons, selling underwear, and gambling in Atlantic City. Anthony, maybe you should take Mr. Dawson outside and just have a little talk with him. Why? I don't know. Rough him up a little. Yeah, maybe I should do that. Oh, and who might you be, young man? I'm Anthony Bouvier. I'm out on parole, and I hate accountants. So it's just a lot happening in there. A lot. I feel like there's some character development that possibly, if you were inclined to believe Reggie Mac's story, might have made you sort of understand his backstory a little bit and understand that maybe he's had some trauma. Yeah, I don't know. She's glaring at me through squinted eyes. I just thought the story was weird. I don't know. Well, do with it what you will. And it sounded more like it was, I don't know, it didn't even sound like, I don't know. It sounded like it was coming from someone else putting their opinions in his mouth or something. I don't know. It was just weird. Well, it's not fair. That poor man. Next episode, episode 22, Julia drives over the First Amendment. We'd love everyone to follow along with us and engage. Instagram and Facebook at Sweet Tea and TV. Email SweetTeaTVPod at gmail.com. Our website is www.SweetTeaTV.com. Uh, you can support the show lots of ways. Tell your family and friends about us. Rate and or review the podcast. And uh, if you're so inclined, go to the Support Us page on our website to learn more. And hang tight for an extra sugar where we're going to talk about crazy ordinances and laws still on the books here in the South. You know what that means. What does it mean, Selena? We'll see you around the bend. Welcome to this week's edition of Extra Sugar. In this week's episode, we met possibly the greatest con artist of all time. (laughs) The infamous Reggie MacDawson who's had more than a few run-ins with the law. And in this episode, poor Suzanne had a couple run-ins with the law herself, building on her assault rifle unlicensed pig charges from a few episodes ago. So I feel like our minds were working overtime on legal issues, which led us to this extra sugar, which is going to be a... That's right. We've got ourselves a game, and I think a fun one. Uh, Selena, I've got a list of laws and ordinances here. I I don't actually know the difference between a law and an ordinance. I don't know. So, uh, I feel like law is more substantial. It has to go by like like city ordinances versus state and federal laws. Something like that. Yeah, I'm a lawyer. Anyway, your assignment is twofold. You have to decide if it's real. And, if it is, which state it applies to. Okay. Okay. Insert all the excitement. Woo! So, it's. let me just go ahead and put here, it's not really a true, like, I didn't come up with stakes because I feel like twofold on something like this is not really going to be a competition you can win necessarily. Mm-hmm. 
But if you get to the end and you feel like you did really well and that I owe you some kind of treat, maybe we can negotiate. Okay. I have to tell you that unlike a statute or state law, an ordinance is a local law that is passed by municipal governing authorities, such as a city council or a county board of commissioners. All to say that I think that we're right. Like ones we're lawyers. Uber local. Yeah. Yeah. JDs. Is that what it is? Uh Oh, yeah. It is. Wonderful. So let's get into it. Let's get into it. Law number one. You must always pay a parking meter when you tie up an elephant. Now, Selena, is this first law fake? Or real? And if real, which state? An elephant. The elephant makes it a little tricky, but I want to say, so it's got to be somewhere where, like, it feels like maybe where there would be like a, like a, a zoo, a substantial zoo, but I want to say it sounds true. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to say, the way you said, mm-hmm, makes me think that it's false, but I'm going to stick with true. Mm-hmm. I'm going to stick to mm-hmm. my gums. Mm-hmm. My gums? gums? <laughs> well, you know what? Screw it. I am. I'm going to stick to those two. But I'm also going to stick to my guns. And I'm going to say um, California because of the San Diego Zoo. So tell me why I'm wrong. You're half right. Oh. It is real. Oh. Uh, or at least it was. Should I make another I think. guess at the state? Well, no. Oh. Yeah, you can. Okay. Utah? Nope. All right. I don't know. You want to do a list of states like I usually do? I, I'm going to let it go. I'm going to let it go. It was Florida. Okay. Okay. You, I think... It was logical to think in terms of, like, where the animal would be. I think where this animal would be is going to surprise you. So I'm always a little skeptical on things like this because laws come and go over the years. And I think sometimes, like, articles compile these things, but they don't do the legwork to determine if they're really real or not. So I dug a little deeper. By real, do you mean enforced or just, like, real at all? That exist on the books at all. And then I think that the enforcement is an important wrinkle. And so I think I mentioned that a couple of times throughout here. But I just want to know, are they real at all? Because I think sometimes these things are sort of made up or they were laws in 1943 and fell off the books in the 60s or whatever. Right. Um, So I dug a little deeper than the original source material on this one. And I found a My 13 article, which looks like a Florida news source. Um, They shared that they asked the Orlando Police Department about this and it garnered some giggles and ultimately an agreement that there's no current statewide ordinance on this. But it was probably a localized thing at some point. They said it could have had its origins in Western Florida, Sarasota specifically, as a result of all things, given this week's episode, Ringling Brothers Circus. Apparently, John Ringling moved the company's winter work to Sarasota in the late 20s, 1920s, uh, where he'd purchased St. Armand's Key and had used his elephants to help build the causeway to the key. I guess they needed a law to keep his elephants in line. Um. I think there's more to that law. I think it includes like a um, your alligator too. And I actually, I think that's why I went with elephant because alligator would have given too it away obvious. a little bit more. Yeah, I think um, I, I'm really disappointed that my first guess wasn't Florida. <laughs> like it should. Maybe a default. Just, you know, just give it a try. That's what I'm saying. Just try Florida. That should be their, um, that could be their tagline. Just try us. Just try <laughs> You could be pleasantly surprised. Just just try it. (laughs) So next up, when making jambalaya, you can make it however you want. State sanitary and food preparation codes be darned. Real, fake, and which state? Well, I mean, you know, I want to say true and I want to say Louisiana, Mm. you know. Mm -hmm. Um, But uh, I think I'm going to say false. All right. Tell me why I'm wrong. It's true and it's obviously in Louisiana. 
Oh, really? I just thought that was too easy. Is that what you did? Yes. It was like a Jedi mind trick, but like the doubled. <laughs> it's a really funny dovetail given my Nikki's nibbles in episode 20. Yeah. Um, but this is the actual code that I found. Notwithstanding any contrary provisions of the state sanitary code or any contrary provision of any other law or regulation, it shall be lawful to prepare jambalaya in the traditional manner for public consumption, including the use of iron pots, wood fires, and preparation in the open for service to the public at public gatherings. This section shall not be construed to, to allow the sale or distribution of any unwholesome food. So make it how you want, so long as it doesn't kill nobody. I like it. I like it. They take it seriously, and I appreciate that. They do. Yeah. I like I like it hewing closely to tradition. Yeah. Law number three. It is illegal to transport skunks across state lines. Well, I think it should be. Real fake, if real, which state? Yeah, I mean, I'm just, that's my opinion. I think that we should make that illegal. And like, maybe don't transport them. What are you doing? So I want to say that this one's false. And I'm probably wrong. So I'm going to give you two answers. I'm going to say false <laughs> and true and wrong. I mean, <laughs> false in no state. And I'm going to say true in Alabama. Half right again. It's totally Tennessee true. Okay. According to a University of Tennessee Daily Beacon article I found, code 70-4-208 was enacted by lawmakers in Tennessee in a bid to prevent the spread of rabies. The code completely forbids the importation and sale of live skunks. Anyone who fails to follow this law will face a Class C misdemeanor. But who was buying skunks? You know, I wish I wish I could answer that question for you. And I think given a couple seconds with Google, I probably can. I think it, it was a problem. I mean, it, it sounds like a problem. Rabies, I think, became a significant problem. And this was like one of the creative solutions to it. Yeah. Yeah. Law number four. Lawmakers cannot be duelers. That is, if you've ever taken part in a duel, you cannot run for office later. Real, fake, which state? Gosh, that's awfully specific. Um, that feels old. Like, duels. That's so 18th century. Um, oh, man. I think it's probably false. But that's not fun because then I don't get to guess an area. And so I'm going to say true. And then I'm going to say, like, that sounds so old that we'd have to be talking, like, original colonies. I'm going to take it back that far. Because, like, we weren't dueling, like, in 2015. Fist fighting, maybe, but not dueling. So I'm going to say, yeah, true Maryland. Good guess. False. (laughs) It is true. Okay. But it's Tennessee again. Oh, you Tennesseans. It's part of Article 9 of their state constitution, which outlines disqualifications for those seeking to run for office. In its entirety, it says, Any person who shall, after the adoption of this constitution, fight in a duel or knowingly be the bearer of a challenge to fight a duel or send or accept a challenge for that purpose or be an aider or a better in fighting a duel, shall be deprived of the right to hold any office of honor or profit in the state and shall be punished otherwise in any such manner the legislature may prescribe. Or (laughs) have hair or eyes. Right. Law number five. One Southern state has a swear jar where you have to put $1 for every curse word you utter in public. Real fake, which state? 
gosh, that could really go either way like the rest of these. Um, I think that's how that ends. I, I, I think fun, again, is more true. More fun. Wait, true? What are the words I'm She's saying right now? Apart, guys. Yeah. I think true is a more fun game. So let's. it's Southern State. I'm going to go true, and I'm going to say Mississippi. Final answer? Sure. So this one's kind of a trick question. There's no actual swear jar, but you really can be fined $1 for every swear word that you utter in public in West Virginia. It's Worth part, it. It's part of West Virginia Code 61-8-15, Profane Swearing and junk, Drunkenness. And it states, if any per person arrived at the age of discretion, profanely curse or swear or get drunk in public, he shall be fined by a justice, one dollar for every offense. Hmm. All right, ready for the last one? I think so. Yeah. Number six, two for one beers are illegal. Real, fake? Oh. Which state? I want to say true, and oh, like I want to say like a like a like a because like you know happy hour was illegal here for a long time. Oh, I didn't know that. Um. And, I need to be careful on these terms, but it wasn't allowed for a long time. Uh, like the type of specials you could offer, probably. Yeah, and you okay. had to call it. Like, people found right. ways around it, of course, right. but uh, you couldn't call it happy hour. Okay, let's see. Um, for some reason, I'm wanting to think of, like, a state, like, wherever Budweiser is headquartered or oh, something, you mm -hmm. know? Uh, so, and I'm, like, thinking, like, would, you, would your research have been led by looking closely at southern states? Or would you really have just been running out of ordinances to highlight that you could find? It's a real question. Um, unanswerable until you tell me later. So I'm going to say true. And I'm going to say Colorado with the Rocky Mountains. Good guess. It's wrong. Let me say. My research did not run out of laws and ordinances. I had plenty more to do, but I just felt like it was getting a little long. Yeah. Uh, so but this one is very true. And it is a home state law in Columbus, Georgia. Setting one price for two beers is a law that was created to protect a local craft beer company that opened up after prohibition. They needed to be able to be competitive with larger brewers. So a law was set to prohibit selling less than cost beers. So you were kind of on the right track about like a place with a large brewing company uh -huh. um, because it's sort of the big guy versus the little guy. Yeah, it's interesting because I feel like maybe I have heard some, I had heard something similar like and maybe that had like somehow affected like bars around Georgia Southern or something. Anyways, maybe, but maybe, yeah. So lots of ways to run afoul of the law in the South. But if it makes you feel any better, I think you're safe to trust that the restaurants you're eating at know the laws that apply to them. Maybe just do a little research before you take in or take out into public any wildlife. And I think you'll be okay. It's not that hard. Sure. Not sure. that complicated. Uh, so that has been this week's Extra Lawful Extra Sugar.